Welcome to Soul of Wit, a brief interview series with Nebraska Shakespeare artists. Welcome to Soul of Wit. Thank you for having me. Okay, who are you? I'm Katie Becker Cologne. What do you do? I um I wow. All of um things. yes, I am the director of education for Nebraska Shakespeare yes. and in Othello on Tour I'm currently playing Iago, I'm mm -hmm. also the road manager. So you've played five things before. I have. And so you're old hat. Yes. You're an expert. I would say that's it. true. Okay. Yes. So I'm not going to explain. We're just going to like jump right in, but Please. I will give you a warm up. Okay. Um, five things that we need to know about you before we listen to the rest of this interview. Okay. Um, I am wearing pants that are very similar to Sarah's pants right now. One. Um, we are in my apartment, which is near the Jocelyn Castle. Two. I moved to Omaha on December 31st. Three. I am originally from Topeka, Kansas. Four. And I really love what I get to do on tour. Five. Five things. Five things, five things, five things, five things. I'm going to start with the last one. Okay. Uh, you love all the things you get on tour. Yeah. That you get to do on tour. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you love the most? Oh, I think seeing um, a student make a connection or like light up because we're present mm -hmm. is really powerful. And that happens in a million different ways. It happens when I like learn a student's name and then use it when we're loading in and they're helping us move a you know, box of boots. Yeah. Um, it, it happens during post-show discussion when someone gets called on. It mm -hmm. happens when I see a student recognize themselves on stage for the first time. Mm -hmm. uh, like there's an opportunity for it a million times a day, a day and it always surprises me when it happens and it's I'm an, I'm an easy cry mm -hmm. um, and just my soul is my soul is full every day. All of those examples are really interesting because it's the students being seen like the remembering of a name or calling on them or like having that like particular connection. Yeah, I think that's interesting that they light up when that happens mm -hmm. because that means that it's probably not happening very often for them. Yeah, and the the workshop that we have that's exclusive to on tour this year about villain like Iago, mm -hmm. it's we have these exercises where I make eye contact with every kid on the room in the room and I say mm -hmm. hello to every student in the room and they have to make eye contact with me before we move on. Mm -hmm. And every time I start it, I'm like, Whoa, this is not gonna work. <laughs> Somebody's not gonna play mm -hmm. and I I will be damned if it does not work every, every single time. time because just exactly what you're saying, people's desire to be seen mm -hmm. and how nurturing that is for us as humans, mm -hmm. it's incredible. Mm. Topeka, Kansas. Yeah. Uh, that's where you were born and raised? I was born in Wichita. Okay. I was raised in Topeka. Uh, what do you miss the most about Topeka, Kansas? My parents. Of course. Yeah. There yes. isn't, um, I have a lot of nostalgia for Topeka, Kansas, and there's mm -hmm. little pockets. Like, there's a custard place called G's Custard, mm. and it, they have a brown bread custard, mm -hmm. which is sort of like grape nuts flavored. Holy moly. That doesn't sound very good, but you yeah. seem really excited about it. <laughs> it is. It doesn't sound very good. Bread and grape nuts. <laughs> yes. But it's like, it's sweet and it is savory, but not savory. It's mm -hmm. very good. Okay. Come to Topeka with me. Okay. I'll take you to the G's Custard. Great. Um, some of my dear high school friends still live in Topeka, mm -hmm. and so whenever I get to see them, that's awesome. Um, but I knew when I was 17 and looking at colleges that I probably was never going to live in Topeka again after I went to college. Mm -hmm. And that, because I wanted to be a professional actor and there aren't opportunities for that in yes. Topeka. And, um, and so I don't miss it much, but like, 
I love my parents. Mm. So that's good. The new home is Omaha. Yes. Since January, mm-hmm. December 31st yes. mm-hmm. of last year. Um, what is your favorite thing about Omaha? Um, I, there's a lot that I like about Omaha. I think that I had some reservations about moving back to the Midwest. We moved here from New Mexico, mm-hmm. and I've been moving around since I graduated from college in Iowa, lived all over the country. And... Um, there was this like ego part of me that was afraid that moving back to the Midwest was taking a step backward. And that's just not true. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been, we've been, my husband, Ezra and I have been welcomed in a way in the artistic community and socially that we didn't anticipate. We expected it to be more difficult. Um, and there are, I'm, I'm always looking for signs that like, yes, keep moving in this direction. Yes, keep moving in this direction. And I've gotten a lot of them. Mm, that's like the work, the work that I'm doing or where I'm choosing to focus my energy, like the feedback is coming back to me in a positive way, mm-hmm. whether it's because I'm looking for it yeah. or because it's actually positive, who knows. But that, um, yeah, feeling like I'm where I'm supposed to be. I guess to answer your question, is that's my really part. interesting. That mentality, and I struggle with it too. And I think this, I think, I think the Midwest just struggles with it because the coasts are glamorous, mm. and it's where, especially in our industry, if you want to make it or be successful, like you got to go to New York, you have to go to LA, like right. you got to go to those like bigger cities. Yeah. And so the idea of coming back to the Midwest or going to the Midwest is a step back. And so, like looking at. Um, actors from New York or somebody from out of town has more credibility than somebody who is homegrown or somebody who's from here is something that I think um, a lot of Midwestern communities and people that were born in the Midwest struggle with. Yeah, I agree. Question number one. Can't wait. Rehearse, repair, repeat. Mm -hmm. Five things you do to repair after you have had a tough rehearsal or now that you are on the road, a tough day on tour. Yeah. Talk to my husband. One. Eat a vegetable. Two. <laughs> um, sit still. Three. Um, get a little sunshine. Four. And uh, read. Five. Five things. Five things. Five things. Five things. Five things. Speak to your husband. Yes. Uh, what What do you gain from that? So uh, my husband and I met working together, mm-hmm. and so we worked together before we like hitched our wagon to one another personally (laughs) and uh we have similar like professional training and our vocabularies are very similar Mm -hmm. and we have had the good fortune to work together and to grow together Mm -hmm. for the last goodness i met him in 2008 so the last 11 years Mm -hmm. and um he is so wise so when I'm struggling with something or if I'm able to share a really positive part of my day, he is he hears me out or he's able mm-hmm. to like validate that. Mm-hmm. And I learn by talking. And so it's nice for me to have a sounding board. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he is, bless him, happy most days to do it. Yeah. Yes. And also knows you so well that can kind of like see what you're doing. Yeah. Or like see a pattern or hear something and be like, this is what 
maybe you're doing what if you tried this or could this be similar to something else that happened yeah in like a previous similar experience Mm -hmm. and like how you navigated that so like the history is really important yeah and that's like we get a lot of questions about what it's like to be married and to both be actors Mm -hmm. and to be theater professionals Mm -hmm. because it's tricky territory Mm -hmm. there is an instinct in a lot of artists when they're that intimate with one another to um to try to course correct for each other yeah so like I'm seeing this thing that you're doing and if you would just stop that you would be better Mm -hmm. that sort of thing and I um I'm a big goal setter Sarah I don't know if I know this this about about you yes I am aware so um at the beginning of the year one of my goals was to be Ezra's biggest cheerleader Mm. and I shared that with him and he was like oh I want to do that one too to be Ezra's biggest cheerleader he wants to be his own biggest cheerleader fantastic (laughs) helpful no he wanted to reciprocate (laughs) good okay okay um and uh what's so useful about that is that it does um uh prevent us from getting too like coachy with one another Mm -hmm. and being able because a a someone who's who's like cheerleading for you is advocating for you and encouraging you mm-hmm. and um and uh, wanting you to figure it out for yourself which is i'm learning more important than someone else figuring it out for me oh of course it's the whole feed a fish not feed a fish yeah <laughs> uh, uh teach a person to fish yeah see give them a fish they just eat the fish you right teach them to fish they then know how to fish right they'll it's eat for the rest of their lives perfectly yeah described. that's yep <laughs> yeah uh, next question yes please um you mentioned vegetables mm-hmm. eat a vegetable mm-hmm. uh what are five snacks that you wish i would have provided for you for this interview Mm-hmm. Roasted chickpeas, one. Vegan golden milk ice cream from Coneflower, yes, two. Um, cashew queso from Natural Grocers, three. Yum Earth pomegranate licorice, four. <laughs> and um, a cup of ice, five. Five, five things. Five, five things. Five things. Five things. Five, five things. things. You would only make me bring you a cup of ice because you know it would make me <laughs> mad. Sarah doesn't like ice for those <sighs> listeners. She's coming around. I'm coming around. And that yeah. actually also makes me mad. Like, I begrudgingly <laughs> will drink iced tea and I'm mad at you for it. I used to hate ice. And then I met Katie uh, and now I'm starting to like it. And it's super annoying. Yeah. Um, I like that you not only gave me the foods, but you gave me the, not like the specific <laughs> brands or where I could go to purchase it. Yeah. Like, you're short of just like pricing. <laughs> So I think that's I probably great. could have done that for you too, but it feels a little overkill. You know, you have to know your audience, right? right? Do you have the discount card at Natural Grocery? Right. Because if you do, then you'll get two dollars yes, off. Yes, exactly. What you said, a, there was a queso at Natural Grocery. Yeah, there's a cashew queso. It's the brand is Siete S I E T E Foods, mm-hmm. and they have um, it's a it's a Hispanic family who had a child that was allergic to um, to most grains mm-hmm. and so needed to be gluten-free and dairy-free. So they make a tortilla chip with cassava flour. Mm-hmm. And then they also make this cashew queso, cashew queso that my best friend introduced me to. And it is, like, Ezra makes a pretty mean cashew queso as well. But, like, in a pinch, if you want somebody else to make it for mm-hmm. you, it's very satisfying. Nice. I didn't bring any of those things for That's you. okay. So I think also I had them at the ready because we on tour do Spooky Skeleton. I don't know if other yes. people have talked about this. No one has. You were okay. the first. Uh, well, it is like Secret Santa um, for tour members, but without 
the Santa because it's October. <laughs> so we do spooky skeleton and everyone had to fill out a form. Mm-hmm. And so on my form, I listed most of the snacks that yes. I just shared with you. Mm-hmm. And I also said, I love a random cup of ice because I wanted to throw whoever had me a bone. Right. If they just want to put a cup of ice in my cup holder, they're okay. That's, that's great. <laughs> just like you're going to get cups of like yes. baskets of ice at your hotel room. And I'll just... be so happy. I know. I, I'm surprised you don't have like an ice machine. We should invest in an ice machine for you. I'm sure that I would, they, I would really like. I'm sure love there's it. like a defunct hotel and there's like just a random ice machine that needs to be yeah. given a home. Yeah, but oh, the idea of like defunct ice makes me nervous. I know that it wouldn't be defunct ice. Because right, you said defunct. Now I'm thinking about it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Next question. Okay. Five books, which is a biggie, because you read a ton. I do. Five books that have changed you as an artist. The Harry Potter series, one. Station Eleven, two. The Year of Living Danishly, three. Uh, My Life with the Shakespeare Colt, four. And uh, You Are a Badass, five. Five things. Five things. Five things. Five things. Five things. things. I am so excited because you are the first person that I read all of these books. Yay! Usually it's like something random about tennis, and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, Most everyone has mentioned the Harry Potter series, which I think has something to do with like the generation of the people that I'm interviewing, yes. but also and nerd tour and nerd tour. Yes. Yeah. Um, but even Shakespeare and the Great, like everybody talked about the Harry Potter series, mm. like, which would be your favorite if you had to pick, what was the one book that really spoke to you? Um, Oh, it depends. Uh, gosh, it, I read the full series every other year. This is an off year. Wow. And it's October and the temperature just dropped and mm-hmm. everything in me like wants all to read of the series. Yeah, just mm-hmm. is longing to reach for Sorcerer's Stone. And I'm like, no, wait till 2020. <laughs> There's so many other books to read. Um, I think that number four was my favorite when I was doing my first pass. Mm-hmm. But number six, Half-Blood Prince, is probably my my favorite. Like now being in my 30s. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting that it's changed as you've gotten older. Yeah. And I think that I think that's something that happens with genius. Mm. And I'm sure that me calling J.K. Rowling a genius is debatable. But the... I won't um, debate you. Yeah, thank you. No problem. That works of genius, when we come back to them at different points in our lives, um, the way that we receive them changes mm-hmm. because they are so human mm-hmm. that they evolve with us. Right. Because our lens changes. So right. I think about the work of Shakespeare. Yes. I think about the work of Michelangelo and Van Gogh. Mm-hmm. I think about the Harry Potter series. Yeah. And I think that's speaking to Shakespeare people right <laughs> and so it makes sense that they would yeah. have that correlation mm-hmm. uh, number four I think we're on four I think so great five and I haven't asked this one in a while okay I'm real excited about me it. me too five professions that alternate universe Katie mm-hmm. has gone into politics one culinary arts two um, uh, travel guide three um oh franchising four <laughs> and uh teaching five five things five things five things five things five things what would you franchise um i i mean probably some sort of like like a third place like a starbucks sort of place mm-hmm. right um and just like 
little menu I think about the franchises that I like really admire being like in and out like super simple menu they just mm-hmm. do this like very specific thing and yes. they do it really well and mm-hmm. then they build branding around it that you're really excited about mm-hmm. um yeah probably mm-hmm. something something health health food and beautiful space related yeah I was equally surprised and then not surprised by politics mm. why is it something that interests you and why is it something that you didn't do yeah. Or haven't um, done. You're still young. Right. Who knows? Yes. Who knows what will happen? Um, Katie Becker-Cologne. It's, I mean, this is probably not, whatever. It is what it is. Um, I'm a three on the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. That's the achiever. Mm-hmm. Um, I also am a cancer with a Leo moon and an Aries rising. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of me that um, is cool to be like the person in the front, mm-hmm. like the the one walking up the hill first, the one that, that holds the torch high so that everybody can see, um, the one that speaks on behalf of a lot of people, communication and positivity are some of my strengths. Mm-hmm. The only thing about <laughs> politics that is difficult for me is that I take so much personally. That's like mm-hmm. the cancer side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have found tools in my profession on how to mm-hmm. shake that, but I think that um, politics would just make me like really unhappy yes. um, because because I would feel like I would be constantly defending my point and I, I would start to become exhausted mm-hmm. by that and but like in an alternative of it like this one person doesn't like I'm gonna focus you would, yeah. you would Leslie nope it I would yeah. I would totally Leslie nope it and um, and in an alternate universe I then would not devote time to other things that I care yeah. about like my marriage right <laughs> Right. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I would I would probably be singularly focused. Yes, you did um, student government though, right? I totally did. Yes, yes. thank you for remembering. Of course. Yes, I um, I ran on unique platforms. Um, mm-hmm. I was a representative for the junior class of Hayden High School mm-hmm. uh, when I was in high school, and then in college, I ran for student senate for two or three years. So I sat on the budget and finance committee mm-hmm. for student senate and allocated uh, student activities funds to different mm-hmm. organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ran on a, like like I think I wrote the word provocative, and then had pictures of me like hovering over people on the ground and. Uh, like vote for me and put them on bright pink and yellow sheets of paper and like put them underneath everyone's door in the dorm that I was running and for. It worked. Totally, worked. totally worked. Yeah, I think it was just weird enough that people mm-hmm. were like, "Yeah, okay." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's how politics work. Yeah, like, my vote. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, I mean, you'll do. <laughs> Five things you have learned during this journey playing Iago. Um, that one can mother and punish at the same time. One. That uh, I don't have to show anyone what I'm thinking. Two. I can play Iago without becoming Iago. Three. Um, The uh, success of this particular iteration um, requires me to allow more than force. Four. Four, Four I think. Four. Yes. Uh, sorry. Yes. I got no, it's okay. It was so beautiful. I was like, yes. I have no eight. Like, that was great. And, um, and that, um, gosh, the audience will do a lot of the heavy lifting for me. Five. Five, five things. 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 Five things.
the audience will do a lot of heavy, heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. And you also mentioned one of your favorite books is Shakespeare Cult. Yes. Um, talk a little bit about the relationship between Shakespeare characters and the audience and how you have explored that with Iago. Yeah. So um, Iago has a lot of direct address early in the play. Mm-hmm. So the soliloquy is left alone on stage to speak the truth mm-hmm. to the to the audience. And um, what the audience will do is will like A plus B equals C. So like Iago tells has secrets. Iago um, uh, tells lies or manipulates people equals Iago is a villain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so knowing that that equation exists, I don't have to worry about playing villainous. Mm. Um, rather, what I and I worry isn't quite the right word. Um, I can allow that like they're going to connect those dots, mm-hmm. um, and what I am going to do is try to like expose my beating heart as much as possible mm-hmm. and that to me feels like from my life with the Shakespeare cult because they they're the friends of back from Shakespeare who did Shakespeare in breweries continue to do Shakespeare in breweries mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they talk a lot about talking not at the audience but to them yeah. when you're in a brewery and you're right next to somebody on a bar stool and you say and what she then says I play the villain mm-hmm. when this advice I give is free and honest that like that um sensation yeah i want to be able to create that no matter how big the house is yeah so i experiment with that when we're on the green and we're performing for 2500 people Mm -hmm. like how many of these people can i connect with at the same time yeah but when we're in a you know high school auditorium filled with 400 students Mm -hmm. or we're in a gymnasium and there's 30 people there like that equation that experiment for me is like can i do it in all of these different venues and the the answer is yes. And how Shakespeare kind of lights up in that environment oh, because yeah. that was the environment he was writing for. Yeah. So when we had like this last this last week, we had a really raucous crowd. Mm-hmm. It like could almost didn't recover when Othello and Desdemona kissed. Mm-hmm. The slap was a big deal. Yeah. The fights were a big deal. Yeah. And I was like, this is what the groundlings would have been like. Totally. Like this would have been the mm-hmm. indicators to Shakespeare's company that they were killing it. Uh, you don't have to let anyone know what you are thinking. Yeah, I think that that tool is so that I don't I don't feel the pressure to like indicate or show anything in mm. my face or in my body. Mm-hmm. So like um, the power of being an actor and having your voice and your body at the ready is that you can follow impulses mm-hmm. instantly, yeah. right? There isn't the filtering mechanism that happens for most humans. Um, I can get preoccupied with making sure that people understand or that I'm communicating or that they're comfortable and then I will start to overexert sure. like I'll start to sort of like perform myself totally. and again that like comes with the achiever thing and I have to like release that mm-hmm. and part of that actually now that we're talking about it has been I talked to Ezra about this a lot is um not relying on feedback from the audience to tell me that I'm doing a good job. Like when I'm in a workshop, Mm -hmm. like the kids nodding their heads, if they do or if they don't, it doesn't matter that, it doesn't equal that they're receiving the information any more or less. So there can be a kid that's looking at me with dead eyes Uh for 45 minutes and is getting just as much information as the kid who's nodding along for 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything else that you would like to add during this interview? (sighs) Just that you're the best. I think you're the best. Thank you. Great. That's a great way to end this. (laughs) Perfect.